Five to left corner to Aguila. Aguila the left circle. Passing to Yale. A shot. Save made by Al Aguila. Rebound. Another shot. They score! The Blades win it! Yeah, baby! They score! And the sea of red erupts! Flames talk starts now on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Here's Pat Steinberg. All right, we are underway this hour. It is a snowy Tuesday, February 21st, 2023. Coming at you from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. This hour is underway on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcast. Thanks for being along with us on this Tuesday, and we've got lots to talk about. Uh, I will uh, check to see if my math is correct, but I believe 10 days until the NHL trade deadline is where we are. And what does that mean for the Flames? That's how we're kicking off this hour with our NHL insider, Frank Saravalli. Brought to you by South Trail Chrysler. With inventory shortages across the city, it's the perfect time to sell your vehicle for cash. Visit SouthTrailChrysler.com. And Frank joins us now from Daily Faceoff and DailyFaceoff.com. Mr. Saravalli, uh, 10 days, correct? 10 days. Tomorrow we hit single digits. I'm going to start singing. It's the final countdown. <laughs> you're almost... You're almost Almost done with your article a day countdown to the oh. 2023 trade deadline. Whose idea was that? What an idiot I am. <laughs> it feels hey, like hey, it was moron, your idea. Would you like to work harder? <laughs> hey, it's been good, though. There's been uh, lots of juicy tidbits on a daily basis from you. And I guess uh, before we dive into some of those league-wide tidbits, we'll, we'll start on the local front for the Calgary Flames. Are they another game where they've got an opportunity to gain a little traction they've got a team well below them in the standings and they lose in regulation this time on home ice it's been the same old story for 57 games for the Calgary Flames just from what you've been able to ascertain like are they any closer to making a decision in terms of their deadline approach are they any closer? I, I don't think so because nothing has really changed to your point. Like I think they're still in this wait and see mode. And and to be honest, I think so much of what they may be active in is, is dependent on price. It is, you know, they're monitoring everything. They're trying to understand uh, where they were at and they're uh they're moving forward based on what they think they might be able to add in a reasonable way uh to try and give this team a boost i don't get any sense pat that they're looking to take a big swing because of how topsy-turvy this season has been Mm -hmm. but that's where they're at right now do you think there's a chance they might just say to themselves you know what the prices are too high let's just sit this one out this year I do. And I, I, I think there's a real possibility that that happens or that the move they make doesn't move the needle in a real significant way that they try and go for a more curated fit to find someone that, you know, might be a lowercase addition without breaking the bank. Um, because here's the, here's the thing that's working in Calgary's favor though. When you look at the market and Toronto acted on Friday to get O'Reilly, who they believe is a difference maker, you've got uh, Timo Meyer at the top, and on the back end, you've got Chikrin and Vladislav Gavrikov, if you believe he's a difference maker. And after that, you you sort of have Patrick Kane, and and then who else is there? So the the prices have been sky high on the defenseman, and I think the Flames have been sort of lurking here, saying 
there's maybe more forwards available than there are spots for them. If we wait this out, there's a chance that we could get a decent player for very little that might help put our team in the playoffs, mm-hmm. which I think is really smart. Any uh, any sense as to whether or not they're in on this Luke Shen conversation, which is intensified here on this Tuesday? I don't believe they are. Um, and I don't, in fact, I don't think it's intensified. Like, I don't think anything's imminent. Okay. I, I think where they're at is they've gotten enough calls on him to know that they're likely going to move him. They've seen other players get banged up, including most recently Timo Meyer, and we don't think that injury is serious. But it's enough to say we we have something on the line. We don't know where it is yet or when, but we're gonna sit this guy out, protect the asset, and you know until a trade is consummated, he's not gonna play again. Okay, which we've seen a lot of over the yeah, last. Yeah, it's been the bit. story of this deadline. It's like um, the three, it's the three words of the last week is like trade asset protection. Like it's trade related reasons. So trade, yeah. Yeah. It's uh a little bit nauseating. <laughs> it's true, because you're like, oh well, that must mean something's imminent. And you know, then oh no, Gavrikov's still uh technically a yeah. member of the Columbus Blue And Chikrin has and... yeah, still been there for the last 14 months. Someone <laughs> put us out of our misery. Last one on the flames specifically, and and just I'm curious as to your read on the idea of the, I, I'm not I'm not suggesting that they blow this thing up. I'm not suggesting that they move out core members. That 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 to me is not something you do at the deadline. But you know, I wonder if somebody comes calling about Nikita Zadorov, who's got one more year left on his deal after this, or Tyler Toffoli, who's in the same situation. Guys who could absolutely help another team right now. I, I wonder if that's a situation where. Brad, you're living in the flames are a little bit more opening to listen as opposed to maybe where they would have been a couple of months ago. That's selling. If you're moving Tyler to who's arguably been your most consistent player this year, that's selling. Um, I could understand the allure of doing so because mm-hmm. his production is vastly exceeding his cap hit. But I would also suggest that that would mean you're waving the white flag on your season and Zadorov, um, he's still, a a reasonable cap hit Mm -hmm. and someone that for a team that still hasn't gotten over the loss of Oliver Shillington, you'd be plucking one more piece from your lineup to then what you're not like you you're punting on the playoffs this year. If you're moving either one of those guys. Yeah. And then that brings us back to the overall original question, which was, I think you asked me or someone else asked me the morning show guys a week or two ago, which was, you know, should they sell? My question to you would be who? Like if it's not those guys, who would you be selling? Those would be the only ones that I could see having interest at the deadline. You know, if you want to make bigger moves, I think that's a that's an off-season conversation. But a guy like a guy like Zadorov, you're right. It would absolutely be, yeah, you know what? We're we're kind of we're kind of feeling like this season just isn't going to be our season. And so let's recoup a couple of assets and see what we can do in the off season about adding and, a defenseman. And that'd be okay. Like there's nothing wrong with that. I don't think it's just, I don't have any sense that that's how the flames are thinking. Like, you know, Doug Armstrong, and I'm not comparing him to Brad true living at all. I'm just pointing out the fact that he's a killer. Like he's like, our team is, is not very good this year. Mm-hmm. He And he's done this before. He has. When they've had good teams. He's added. And when they've had teams that are borderline or not very good, 
He's sold, but he's sold in such a definitive way that it brings us to the exact spot that we're in today, which is the perfect sort of segue to this Timo Meyer news that yeah. they've entered the chat. Well, let's go that, there. Yeah. So if you look in their playbook, this shouldn't be a surprise to anyone. First off, this team was never going to be rebuilding. They're, they have too many good players in Cairo and Thomas and they've identified their core. They've got Krug on the back end. Like they're locked, they're locked into that group. And they've taken those first round picks in years that they've definitively sold off and then immediately made that team better. You know, go back to the year they traded Kevin Shattenkirk to the Caps. They take the first round pick from Shattenkirk and trade that pick in the summer for Braden Shen. Then the year that they also punt and trade Paul Stasny, they then take that first round pick and use it to get Ryan O'Reilly in the summer. Mm -hmm. Now they've moved O'Reilly and Tarasenko. They have two extra first round picks plus a boatload of other draft capital, including an extra second rounder for next season that they can then go leverage those picks to pursue someone like Timo Meyer, swap out O'Reilly and Tarasenko for Meyer and hit the ground running next year. And oh, by the way, still keep potentially your own first round pick to then draft in what's been a historically deep draft. Like that's chess while everyone yeah, else is playing yeah. checkers. It's uh be impressive. And as we're talking to Frank Saravalli, our daily face-off NHL insider joins us Tuesdays here on Flames Talk. So St. Louis has entered the, the uh, Timo Meyer conversation who else is in there? Like, who else is is in the the Meyer realm right now? I think the front runner is Carolina. Okay, and I think the other team in there is New Jersey. I I, I think both of those teams today were surprised to hear St. Louis in the mix, but I, I just outlined why I think it makes sense, and I just know Carolina is a team that's pushing really hard to get him. I think they really like the player. They like the threat that he turns their team into a pure shooter to add to that mix a 50 goal guy uh, potentially is the path he's trending on this season. And the way that he's done it with, you know, some sub optimal pieces around him, if you were to take him and then put him on a really good Carolina team, mm -hmm. it just makes sense. Is this a, um, is this a deadline deal? Like uh, is, is, is Meyer most likely to go before March 3rd, or is there a sizable chance that maybe, you know, kind of similar to how Matthew Kachuk moved this summer, that maybe the Sharks decide to not strike now and, and wait until maybe there's more suitors in the offseason? I'd be surprised if it waits until March 3rd. Like, I, I first off, I think he's getting traded at this deadline. Okay. Second, I think... It, it, there's, you know, I don't, I don't envision this being a last hour, last day deal. Now I'm glad you brought up Matthew Kachuk because a lot of teams have looked at this Meyer deal as it, what Calgary got back for Kachuk in the summer as the RFA with one more year until free agency, it, you know, Kachuk had a significant qualifying offer as well that never really got in the way could a team like Carolina acquire Meyer spend a lot to get him and then basically hold everyone, you know, put him up for auction in the summer and say, you know, come get him and we'll, you know, we'll recoup whatever number of cents on the dollar that we paid and we got him for the playoff run. Mm -hmm. 
they could always keep him too. Um, and I think they'd be one of those teams. They're not crazy enough, but, um, intriguing enough to offer the one year, $10 million qualifier to really, uh, back teams off of the leverage that they might have where they would just say, Hey, sign him to a long-term deal or, or he just becomes a free agent. They've got that flexibility. Right. So I really like Carolina as a fit for that reason. If you want to be prudent about your assets, which they've been very conservative with draft pick allocation and prospects, this is maybe one player to take a swing on and then get a lot of it back later. And kind of uh, going full circle on the Blues, who you have being very much as a suitor now for Timo Meyer, and and also also a thought that maybe they could be dangling Colton Pareko right now. I think they're intrigued, and and they've they've let it be known that they're interested in listening. I don't think they're actively pushing him, but the truth is they need to reshape their defense core. And they've got four guys that are in their top four that all have term, all have dollars, and they all have no trade clauses. And Pareko, I think, represents one guy that they can actually move to create some salary cap flexibility that would have some value out there. Not like significant, massive return, but enough to the point where if they can get out ahead of it, they won't be in a spot like with maybe some of the other guys that they have on their back end where they'd have to trade assets in order to move off of the contract. So mm-hmm. if you can head that off at the pass and get out now, while Pareko, I think, has seen a bit of a reduction in his game, you know, it's been a lot of change there. No Alex Petrangelo, no Jay Bomeister. He's not really been quite the same player that he was as such a critical core piece of their 2019 cup run that teams are calling and if they can get off of that contract and get a younger defenseman back well then they're they're in business as they reshape this team uh frank saravalli our daily face-off nhl insider where are we on gavrikov and chikrin there's been kind of rumors swirling around that boston is kind of closing in on depending on where you look or or what Twitter account you're reading that Boston could be closing in on either one of those guys. But where where are we on Gavrikov and Chikrin and the uh, imminent nature as to when they might be dealt? Yeah, so I, I was one of those people out there last week saying that Boston is the front runner for Gavrikov. I think they've made an overture and have put something on the table that Columbus likes, but it's not done. And a lot of people suggest that it's hinging on Boston moving a piece. I've had a hard time reconciling that because if that does involve the Bruins making another trade to then make this one, Mm -hmm. why wouldn't Columbus just take what's on the table and eat the other contract or help take an asset back uh, to, to take on one of these players, you know, whether it's Craig Smith or Mike Riley, that it's sort of left me perplexed. And so I, I think still Boston is in the driver's seat for Gavrikov. I, at the same time, I think they've monitored the market for Chikrin. And the Chikrin thing is fascinating because depending on who you talk to, a number of teams that had called about Chikrin to Arizona last week were told, don't even bother. Like we've got something on the table. It's getting close to the finish line. You know, unless you really want to, you know, blow your brains out in order to get in this, you just sit out. And now all of a sudden it's back to Arizona 
essentially calling teams to see if they're still interested in Chikrin because it's fallen apart, whatever it was. And Lord save us if we have to go through <laughs> another six months of, of Jacob Chikrin talk on the market. Like like time to rip the band-aid off and cut the cord. Yeah. It feels like it feels like now or never if you're gonna make a deal that makes sense if if you're Arizona and Jacob Chikrin. You mentioned you referenced earlier the the big splash Toronto made ahead of the weekend and bringing in Nolachari and of course Ryan O'Reilly and you know, that's a that's a big move for Kyle Dubas as the Maple Leafs realize that not only is is now their time, but you know they're on a collision course. As I think you put it on Twitter earlier this week with the Tampa Bay Lightning once again. So what what's your read on how Julian Brisbois and the Lightning react to what Toronto did this weekend? Well, I don't know if they're going to necessarily be full on reacting to what Toronto did. Like, I think their goal was to try and find a creative way to add no matter what. Okay. And I don't think personally they're sitting there shaking in their boots over Toronto adding Ryan O'Reilly. Um, not to say that O'Reilly can't be good or be a difference maker. Cause I think he can be. Um, but I think the general reaction from teams, managers, agents, around the league was that this was a really significant price to pay for O'Reilly. And so when it comes to the lightning, they don't have those kind of assets to throw around. They'd love to like they, if they did, they would be in the mix without a doubt. They have cap space concerns, um, probably would need to move a contract maybe in order to make something happen. Um, and without first round picks for the next couple years and some seconds missing as well, there's only so much you can do with a thin prospect pool. So they're going to have to get creative and find interesting ways to, to go out and, and add a few players. I suggested a few, um, you know, on my, my lightning playbook that I posted yesterday that you were referencing. And it, it's basically just trying to think outside the box a little bit. They went with Brandon Hagel last year He's been excellent this year, a real value contract. Could they go back to the same well with Chicago again, whether it's Jake McCabe on the back end and Chicago retains half for two years at 2 million, or whether it's someone like Sam Lafferty up front who has speed and penalty killing utility that really their fourth line is, is missing. Um, those are the types of assets and acquisitions that I'd expect um, you know, that type of world for the lightning to be shopping in. And finally, Frank, uh, we got the news this week that, and I don't think anybody was surprised to see it, but uh, the Vegas Golden Knights have indeed put Mark Stone on LTIR, which means they've got some significant cap credit that they can use ahead of the deadline. What what type of acquisition are we expecting Vegas to make? What type of splash or splashes are you watching for with them? I would expect, because of their MO, a big boy acquisition a splash a, a swing for the fences because that's what this this ownership is looking for they're looking for the best possible player and i think it comes with a caveat in that it's likely to be a rental because if indeed stone is resuming his career which the golden knights say he is and they expect a chance for him to play in the playoffs that they're back in cap hell next year. So mm -hmm. they don't have the ability to add someone that has term. I think Patrick Kane is a name to watch. I think they're certainly, if Patrick Kane's going to be moving, I would have to think that they're going to be pushing hard in order to add someone like him. But my guess is if they were to go down that path, given the nine and a uh, quarter million dollars that stone moving to LTIR presents, 
is that they'd probably still try and um, get Chicago to retain half so that they can maybe go out and add a goaltender and a defenseman if they could afford it uh, asset-wise because we, we've seen the injury to Logan Thompson. We knew that you know Vegas' goaltending was already kind of thin, and they were in a spot where you know Thompson really seemed to be slowing down as the season went along. And then on the back end, um, you know, just more support and more depth. Did I, uh, did I miss anything? Anything that's front of mind for you that I was like, wait, was Steinberg going to ask about this or did I hit it all? I don't think so. I mean, just trying to think. Um, you did you? did We talked about Pareko a bit Yep. and the Blues back end. Yeah, I think we got it all. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, 10 days away, soon to be single digits, Frank. Oh, uh, in, enjoy, sign me up. <laughs> enjoy the I can get my life track. back. I know. Next week we'll be uh, right into the teeth of the trade deadline countdown. We'll talk to you next Tuesday, pal. Bring it on. This is my Super Bowl. <laughs> See you, Frank. See you, Pat. Frank Saravalli. He is our daily face-off NHL insider as he joins us every Tuesday here on Flames Talk. And uh, a few uh, few responses on the Flames side of things. Aaron Vickers with us as well from Daily Hive and NHL.com. He's with us this hour on Flames Talk. Uh, I'll read you a few texts at 960-960. I asked Frank about the idea of... You know, if shorter-term contracts and the idea of selling, if somebody called, would Brad Tree Living listen on Zadorov or Toffoli? Somebody suggests Backland or Tanev. Older assets, trade value probably never going to be higher. You can then try to replace in free agency. You know, on the Backland front, I think that um, this won't surprise you, but I would be very opposed to that just because I think, A, there's something to be said about somebody being a career member of your team. And I think that there's a good chance that Michael Backlund's just that. And, and B uh, there's a little bit, I mean, I guess there's not a ton more term on it compared to some of the other contracts on the team. I just, I look at Backlund as a guy who remains a, a core piece on this group and, and Tanev's a guy that, yeah, I think he'd have a lot of value too, but if you're looking to, bounce back next season. If this year is a write-off and you're looking to bounce back next season, is Tanev a guy you want to part with? Is Toffoli a guy you want to part with? Zadorov's the one that I'm like, you know, that one's interesting to me because I think you could get something good for it. I think that you could replace as a defenseman uh, in the offseason. And I think he's having a really nice season. I'm not trying to ship the guy out of town. It's more that I think that there would be teams that would look at him as a as a real asset and somebody they'd like to to bring in and somebody that they would covet. The thing I find interesting about selling off assets at the deadline and then replacing them in free agency is, yes, you can capitalize on another GM either overpaying or making a mistake at the trade deadline, but how many times have we heard that the biggest mistakes GMs make are one at the deadline and then two in free agency. So I don't know if there's necessarily a clear path to gobbling up some assets at the trade deadline and then just trying to throw money to fix the hole you created on free agency. I think you can work yourself into a situation where in terms of the cap and in terms of allocation of money that might work against you at a certain point. I know I, for me, I am not of the opinion that trading away or selling is the way to go. 
I'm just of the opinion that sitting out and not buying is the way to go. You don't you don't have to be an active trade deadline participant this year is kind of the way I look at it. Here's our boy Joel from Claire's home says, as difficult as it might be, I believe it's time for Flames fans to understand the team might not put it together this year. With a loaded 2023 draft class coming up in the midst of a season full of uncertainty, it's making less sense to give up valuable assets and picks during a deadline where prices have been quite high. And that's why I'm just at the point now where maybe sit this one out. Or if you if you do, just maybe dip a toe into the water. You do not need to cannonball into this trade deadline pool. I, I don't, it, it to me is is not the year to do it. And based on whether it's Frank or Elliot Friedman or any of the other insiders out there who continue to suggest that, uh, you know, there, there's a lot of uncertainty and tentativeness in the Flames front office about this deadline, I think that's a good thing. I don't think you want to be too aggressive at this deadline. Well, and if you're the Calgary Flames, you shouldn't be when you're on the outside looking in. It doesn't make sense to me to... They're not even tied for a spot yeah. anymore. It doesn't make sense to me to make a big splash and give up your first round pick and give up a top prospect for a player that's not guaranteed to to get you into the dance. It's not like a Toronto Maple Leaf situation where yeah. you know you're locked in, you know you've got a date with a team that's gone to the Stanley Cup Finals three years in a row, so you want to ante up and finally get out of the first round for once. I understand moving your first in that situation. I don't understand necessarily moving a high draft pick when you're two points back of the Minnesota Wild for the second wild card spot while they have a game at hand. And yes, there's still 20-some-odd games left to go, but nothing through the first 57 games of this season has given probably anybody real solid optimism that this team is one that's bound for the playoffs and then on top of that, bound to win a round or two. Uh, Aaron Vickers, Daily Hive, Pat Steinberg along with you. Flames talk underway this hour. And as always, our friend and NHL insider Frank Saravalli brought to you by our friends at South Trail Chrysler. With inventory shortages across the city, it's the perfect time to sell your vehicle for cash. Visit SelfTrailChrysler.com. Hey, it's George Russick. And Matty Rose. We host the big show with Russick and Rose. If you miss us weekday mornings on Sportsnet 960 to fan, first of all, shame on you. Second of all, download the podcast on demand. So many places that you can find the podcast wherever you get your favorite NHL, NFL, CFL, MLB, the stories that sports fans in Calgary want to hear. We got it for you. We are the big show. Flames Talk is live on Calgary's hockey station, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Time for a Tuesday edition of your Daily Flames Roundtable, brought to you by Mercedes-Benz Country Hills. Upgrade your current Mercedes-Benz to a 2022 model with a 2% additional reduction. Drive over to Mercedes-Benz Country Hills, minutes from the Calgary airport. My name is Pat Steinberg with Aaron Vickers at Daily Hive and now the voice of the Calgary Flames, Derek Wills, joins us to complete our Daily Flames roundtable. Uh, the news of the day, I guess a couple of pieces of news from the Flames on this Tuesday. They have recalled Walker Dewar from the American League and uh, the corresponding roster move, Michael Stone, has been placed on IR. So that's retroactive to Saturday. Stone on IR. Dewar then comes up as uh, they have... Seven defensemen on the roster already, so they bring in Dewar as a forward. But my question is about the blue line specifically. As Stone goes on IR, I guess my question would be, how comfortable are we, gents, with Dennis Gilbert being more of a regular fixture in this team's top six for the, I don't, we have no idea how long, but for the somewhat foreseeable future? 
Well, as you guys know, uh, I'm a pretty big fan of Dennis Gilbert. I think that he's brought something to the team that uh, they either A, don't have enough of, or B, uh, want more of, and that's physicality. And we saw that again uh, on Monday when he dropped the gloves for the fifth time in 13 games this season. So uh, Dennis Gilbert, I think, has been a really solid third-pairing defenseman for the Flames. But here's where I'm concerned. He is a left shot who, for most of Monday's game, played on the right side. And at times, I thought uh, there was an adjustment there for him, and he looked uh, a little bit uncomfortable, for lack of a better word. And uh, I think uh, more time will help him get through that. But the Flames don't have a lot of time to work with here, guys, as they fight for a playoff spot in the Pacific Division or the Western Conference. And uh, you're going to have to have somebody playing on their offside if you're going to leave him on a pairing with Nikita Zadorov. And uh, they decided to try Gilbert in that spot. So uh, whether they move forward uh, or try somebody else, we'll have to wait and see. But uh, I've said uh, for months now that I'd like to see the Flames add a depth defenseman, uh, a guy who could potentially upgrade their third pairing. When it comes to comparing Dennis Gilbert to Michael Stone, it's tough for me. It's a little bit like trying to compare apples to oranges because they're different players. Obviously, Stone uh, has that huge shot, the hardest in the team. I would say one of the hardest in the league. So he has that element. Uh, he's a more experienced player at the NHL level. But uh, defensively, I don't think there's a big drop-off if there's a drop-off at all going from Stone to Gilbert. So there's that. But uh, I thought they needed to add a D before the Stone injury, and now I think they really need, need to add a depth defenseman, so we'll see if they do that. But uh, in the meantime, I'm comfortable with Gilbert as a player. I just I don't love him playing on his weak side. I see the need for adding another body on the blue line for the Calgary Flames, but in all honesty, if Dennis Gilbert plays like he did Monday against the Flyers, I'm fine with him in my bottom pair regardless of any Michael Stone injury. He kicked off that 4-3 loss to Philadelphia on Monday with a big hit, Big fight, got the crowd into it, threw the arms up, got everybody roaring, and there was buzz in the building for at least a little bit. He also had a couple of high-skill keep-ins at the offensive blue line, which I appreciated out of him because you more think of him just worrying about his own blue line back, but he did manage to keep a couple plays alive. He's made an impact in a positive way, and that's all you could really ask for in a guy that's going to play 11 to 12 minutes a night. And overall, it's a small sample size for him, but he's got a 57% Corsi 4 on the season. That's fourth on the Flames. 57% expected goals, that's third. Again, really small sample size compared to the other guys that have played quite a bit more. But if he puts forth an effort like he did Monday, he's fine staying on my bottom pair. Yeah, I, uh, I'm i I'm quite comfortable with him being kind of in the regular top six for the time being. And and whether he's on the weak side or or playing the left, I, uh, like his weak side being the right side, or if he plays his, his natural side on the left, I'm, I'm, I'm still comfortable with it, guys. And... and I uh, I I think I think the interesting part will be what the actual severity is of Michael Stone's injury. If if the severity is not long long term, I'm actually okay if they don't get another blue liner. I really am. Like, do I see the need? Absolutely. Am I okay with them just completely sitting the trade deadline out? And not giving up assets, period. Uh, yeah, I'm also I'm I'm pretty okay with that at this point, knowing what we've seen. So if Stone's injury is is not long term, then I think just roll with the seven eight you've got. And and if Gilbert's your seven or six seven, and if he all of a sudden turns it into more of a competition between himself and Stone, I think that's a good thing. And and certainly in the short term, in the five games between now and the trade deadline. 
I, I'm quite comfortable with Gilbert playing in a regular top six role. He's been he's been a real cool story this year. Yeah, he certainly has been. And the interesting thing is, prior to the start of the season, I'm not sure anybody saw this coming because there was plenty of talk uh, about other guys, Connor Mackey, uh, even Yusuf Alamaki when he was with the team. Uh, a lot of people thought Nick Malosh was going to be yep. the guy who had had a cup of coffee in the NHL, who was ready to take that next step as a member of the Flames. Uh, we saw Nick DeSimone uh, playing a fairly prominent role when the Flames were dealing with injuries earlier in the season. And Dennis Gilbert has been by far the best of the bunch. I don't think it's close. So uh, I like him as a player. I really do. But I still think the Flames need to add a depth defenseman. Uh, I am not yet at the point where I think they should stand pat at uh, the March 3rd trade deadline. Although with every loss to a non-playoff team, uh, I probably inch a little bit closer to to standing pat as opposed to being a buyer, but I'm not there yet just because when I look at the Pacific Division and the Western Conference, uh, I don't see a lot of terrifying teams there. And if the Flames can get in, I still think they're going to be a tough out, but uh, we'll have to wait and see. Gilbert's, uh, he's been a really pleasant surprise this season. And like I said off the top, guys, I really like the physicality that he's brought to the team, not just the fights, the big body checks, uh, the fact that he plays with edge. Uh, he's a hard guy to, to be on the ice with when you're a Flames opponent. And uh, the more of the, those guys you have, the better off you're going to be. I think it comes down to me in terms of an acquisition on the blue line or not is, is the prices as you get closer to deadline. If you're going to pay a premium to bring in a bottom pair defenseman, I just steer clear 100% and keep the asset and roll with what you've got. But if you can find somebody at a discount, if there's a surplus to be had on defense, which I don't necessarily think there is, then you can maybe go look at a move. But failing that, I mean, I'm comfortable with Dennis Gilbert in my bottom pair. Daily Flames roundtable. And last thing I'd say about Gilbert, I just like the fact that he's totally comfortable with what he is. He's comfortable. He's like, yep, you know what? For me to be right now, for me to stay in the NHL, this is what I've got to do. And he's comfortable doing that. And he's done that on a pretty regular basis. Uh, with Aaron Vickers and, of course, the voice of the Calgary Flames, Derek Wills. My name is Pat Steinberg on your Daily Flames Roundtable. Okay, Wills, you mentioned it on Monday's post-game show, uh, kind of on the way out is one of your final thoughts. Uh, I've seen it a lot over the last little bit, over the last couple of weeks. I've seen it on our text line. I've seen it on Twitter. Uh, I probably get four or five at tweets a day, it feels like. Name this guy captain already. That guy would be... Probably the best player on the Calgary Flames that stands right now and one of their most consistently strong players all year long and the longest tenured member of the team, Michael Backlund. Guys, he'll become the third member of the Flames this season to play in 900 career games. He will almost certainly become the second most tenured player in franchise history next season. And he's got a shot of being the number one games played player in franchise history when it's all said and done. How do we feel about Michael Backlund at some point in the near future, being named team captain? Well, I think you know the answer to that, Pat, because uh, I brought it up uh, on Monday evening during our post-game show, and it's the first time in months that uh, I've talked about naming a captain. I, quite frankly, didn't think it was important for the Flames to name a captain earlier this season because I looked back at last season. They finished first in the Pacific Division. They won a playoff series, and they did it all without a captain. So I was okay with them not having a captain this season. But what is there, 27 games left? It feels like now might be a good time to take a look at things from a different perspective, which is what I'm trying to do. And 
I don't know if slapping a C on somebody's jersey is suddenly going to fix all of the Flames' problems, but I don't think it would hurt. And maybe trying something new, a new approach as far as your leadership group goes, uh, would help this team turn a corner. Uh, and putting one guy in a position where he's got the C and uh, he is uh, the alpha male as far as the leaders go. And I think they have a lot of leaders inside of that dressing room. And the reason I, I brought up Michael Backlund, I mean, there are a number of reasons. Uh, the, the fact that he has, and I know I've called Tyler Toffoli the most consistent forward or mo most consistent player on the team this season. I think Michael Backlund's maybe taken over that role because there hasn't really been a drop-off in his game at any point in time. And when I chatted with Michael prior to Monday's game against the Flyers, I asked him, is this the best hockey that you've played in your life? And he responded saying, either this season or 2016-2017 for him. And if you remember, he finished fourth in Selkie Trophy voting that season. So I think that says a lot. Michael Backlund feels really good about how he's playing. And I think you can see that in how he's playing. He's playing with a, a ton of confidence right now. He's been great without the puck as usual. He's been really good, uh, even though he's been a little bit snake bitten with the puck this season. He's been the driver on the Flames' best line for the last couple of months with Andrew Mangiapane and Blake Coleman. So as far as uh, his play is concerned, playing at an extremely high level and doing it on a consistent basis. That's what leaders do. But for me, it goes beyond that, guys. So he's been one of the Flames' alternate captains for five years. He also has experience as a captain, as he captained Sweden to a gold medal at the, what was it, 2018 World Championships. So he's played that role before. A longest tenured member of the Flames. Uh, third all-time in games played by a Flame. And... A guy who has not only done a lot for the Flames on the ice, he's done a lot for the community off the ice. My reservations with guys like Michael Backlund and Chris Tanev at the start of the season when we had the captain conversation, age, and in Backlund's case, he's 33 and will be 34 next month, and contract. Backlund's contract is up at the end of next season. And Daryl Sutter kept talking about if we're going to name a captain, it's going to be in a, a guy in this age range, which was kind of mid to late 20s. So Backlund doesn't fall into that age range, being uh, closer to his mid-30s. But if, if the Flames were a rebuilding or retooling team, I think I would be trying to name a captain that could be my guy long-term. So a guy who was in his mid to late 20s, a guy who was under contract for a long time to come, I think that would be the best way to go. But they believe they're in a window to win, or at least they believed, uh, past tense, they were in a window to win. I still believe they could be in a window to win right now. So I think it's okay to, to, to think shorter term. And I just can't think of a better guy than Michael Backlund with uh, the amount of time that he spent with the team, with the uh, great stuff that he's done off on the ice and off the ice, the fact that he's been an alternate captain for five years, the fact that he's won a gold medal as the captain of his country at the World Championships. Guys, that's a pretty good resume, don't you think? Yeah, from the outside looking in, the Calgary Flames have looked like a rudder, rudderless ship at times because of the inconsistency they've gone through throughout the season. But I'm kind of leaning to you on the, the fact, Wilsey, that slapping a C on one guy, to me, doesn't necessarily rectify the situation. Now, I think it's fair to call Pat the president of the Michael Backlund fan club. And yes. I say that yes. because I'll name myself vice president. Okay. I think I'm a close second when it comes to who's a bigger fan of Michael Backlund. And as mentioned, longest tenured active member of the Calgary Flames. 
probably their best player over the course of the last two months. If you don't, if you even look at the entire season since January one, he's tied for the team lead in points with 19 and 19 games. I would just wonder if they need a more vocal leader. We're not in the room, obviously, so we don't know exactly what Michael Backlund's presence is in that room, but he doesn't strike me as a guy that's going to get up, yell, throw a helmet against the wall, smash some sticks, yada, yada, yada. I wonder if this team needs more of that type of leader as opposed to what I'm going to guess is a quiet lead by example type. So that's one thing that I wonder. The second thing, again, I'll lean into the contract situation where he's an unrestricted free agent after next season. He is on the other side of 30. And if you're looking to rebuild or repackage your core, there's an argument to be made about finding somebody that's, you know, between the ages of 25 and 30. But I will say this, Willsey, twice you brought up the fact that he captained Sweden to the World Championship gold. Sweden has never lost a single game with Michael Backlund wearing the C on his chest. I would be in favor of giving him a shot with the Calgary Flames. That's not to say the Calgary Flames are going to run the table the rest of the season the second you name Michael Backlund captain. No, I but I was, there on, I was there on the ground for that gold medal uh, performance from Sweden. And every single one of the members of that team I talked to, whether it was a player, management, or coach, absolutely raved about the job Michael Backlund did with that group. Yeah, I mean, I, sure. I why, On a team that I think is going to remain very much a, a group that has, has lots of leaders and leadership by committee, I think Backlund would be an awesome guy to put the, the C on. I think that just what he's done for the organization, what he's meant to the organization, how long he's played, and how long he's played at a high level for this team. Yeah, I think I think he's a great ambassador. I think that the the captaincy at this point is as much a, a marketing tool as it is a, yeah. as it as it is an on ice thing. And I think from that standpoint, it would work really well. So yes, um, unsurprisingly. I'd have no problem with that. I think he he's one of the one of a few guys that I think would be really really a really really good fit. I don't know if it making that choice now. I do I think that that really impacts how the rest of the season goes? Not really. But if they were to at some point go down that road, whether it's between now and the end of the season or before next season, yeah, I'm all for it. And I also think they should. I also think that extending him beyond his current contract is the way to go. I think there's something valuable to a guy spending his entire career with one organization, and I think there's something inherently good about that. And it's not like he's playing at a poor level, as we just talked about. He might be playing the best hockey of his NHL career at the age of 33 to be 34 so yes all those things uh i think he'd be a great choice yeah i think it would be awesome to see michael backland play 1000 games as a member of the calgary flames which is something we didn't get to see mark giordano do and that's how i'm going to wrap this conversation up up in a bow from my perspective aaron you talked about uh, michael not being the most vocal guy right yeah do you think mark was the most vocal guy no no i don't and I think we would all agree that he was a great captain for what he did on the ice and for what he did off the ice. There's different ways to lead. And the Flames have a, a lot of different types of leaders. And I do believe that as one of the oldest teams in the league, th there are a lot of leaders in that dressing room. But Michael Backlund, for me, has earned it more than anybody else. Would I like him to be in that uh, 27, 28, 29 age range? Sure. Would I like him to have uh, more seasons left on his contract? Sure. But... Now, I, I think the Flames, at some point in time, if, if they're going to stay in what they want or hope is a window to win, then maybe some of the thinking has to be more short-term than long-term. 
And the other thing that's kind of changed for me, guys, when people were asking me at the start of the season, and I'm, I don't think anybody's asked me in a while, but when they were asking me who I think the Flames were going to name captain, my prediction, and I, I wouldn't bet a lot of money on it, but my, my thinking early in the season when the only new guy who got a letter was Jonathan Huberto was they're going to let this guy get settled in for a season, and then I think they're probably going to give him the C. I'm not convinced that's the case anymore. Yeah. If it ever was. And maybe it wasn't. But Kadri didn't get a letter. Uyghur didn't get a letter. There were plenty of incumbents who could have been given a letter. Huberto got one. And I thought, okay, maybe that's, uh, and maybe I was, you know, reading between the lines and there was nothing there. But, uh, you know, he signed the biggest contract in franchise history. He's going to be a flame for another eight seasons after this one. Uh, they uh, thought he deserved a letter this season, so I thought, well, maybe he's going to get uh, the C next season, but, uh, and, ma- and maybe he will, um, but uh, I'm less confident in that now than I was early in the season. I think you guys know where I'm coming from. Uh, all right, uh, gents, uh, thank you very much. Willsey, we will talk to you on the Wednesday roundtable. Thank you, sir. Sounds good. Have a good night, guys. He's Derek Wills. He's Aaron Vickers. My name is Pat Steinberg. That's your Daily Flames Roundtable, brought to you by Mercedes-Benz Country Hills. Upgrade your current Mercedes-Benz to a 2022 model with a 2% additional reduction. Drive over to Mercedes-Benz Country Hills. Minutes from the Calgary Airport. A few texts at 969.60. This says, uh, only issue with naming him captain is the last captain was too quiet and not a strong enough personality to hold this group accountable. This is been a problem with the Flames over the last several years, which is why I believe they're so up and down game to game year over year. Uh, this says, uh, I don't know, guys. I'm a pretty big fan. I met him a few times. Been a big fan since 2011. We have another person who's trying to jump in on the president of the fan club. You can back off. You can back right off. I'm on top of that mountain, and I'm not letting anybody to the... Vickers, you can back off, too. You can be the VP. Hey, I'll... I'm fine working the behind the scenes, doing the paperwork. You can be the figurehead of the club. Um, this says, uh, does Backlund get his jersey retired by Calgary? I think it's a fair conversation, especially if we're talking about him being the all-time leader in games played. I think it's a fair conversation. I think it's a conversation about Geo. I think th- there's a few guys that I think that you can have that conversation on. I really do. And, you know, I still think that Joe Newendike and Al McKinnish yes. probably have their jersey numbers retired going forward. But that's a another. Another conversation, conversation for another day. day. Uh, Pat, did you hear the interview back when talking about what it would be like winning in Calgary? That's our captain. Um, and I even go back to when he sat down with us at the poker tournament a couple of weeks ago and just the him him talking about what it's meant to him to be a member of the Flames all this time. I, I think he would be. I absolutely think he would be a really good captain for this team. Um, wrapping up this hour, as we continue along, our uh, producers have been Cam and Taylor. He's Aaron Vickers. My name is Pat Steinberg. Let's get into your Tuesday best bets, brought to you by Bodog.net. Find your next favorite game at Bodog.net. Hashtag make a play. Free play only, 18 plus, play responsibly. A new week begins. We've had a couple of really good weeks in a row, so see if we can keep that going on Best Bets. I've got two for you on Tuesday night. I've got Steven Stamkos of the Lightning. I've got him over three and a half shots taken on the Anaheim Ducks. And I've got Jonathan Marcheseau of the Vegas Golden Knights going over two and a half shots as the Golden Knights play Chicago 
looking for a sixth consecutive win. So Stamkos over three and a half shots versus Anaheim and Marcia so over two and a half shots versus Chicago. What say you? What uh, I know that you uh, you're dialed on this stuff every oh, day. Yeah, and I'm terrible at it. Um, Joel Erickson has hit over two and a half and seven straight and 61% on the season. They're playing Los Angeles. That is the Minnesota wild. The one I'm kind of curious about is Carolina's playing the depleted St. Louis blues. Tivo Taravainen has hit in five straight and he's at roughly minus one Oh five. That'd be one I'd give a look at. And just for fun and just to toss his name out on a Calgary radio station, Josh Anderson of the Montreal Canadiens has hit in four straight and is paying plus money in a lot of spots. Okay. So you uh, like Tara Vinen. I don't like any of it. I'm, 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 this is just food for thought. Just food for thought. If it's, if it's your money, I love it. My money, I'm going to cry in a corner. And I'll just uh, go on record with my two best bets. Uh, Stamkos over three and a half. Marcia so over two and a half. Both shot props on this Tuesday. That'll wrap up this hour of Flames Talk. And those are your Flames Talk best bets. Brought to you by Bodog.net. Find your next favorite game at Bodog.net. Hashtag make a play. Free play only. 18 plus. Play responsibly.